Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Channel 7 makes a major casting announcement. We reveal a big new format coming to Nine. I'll drop a major exclusive and Netflix launches the first teaser for a local production. But just what is the team's verdict? Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and make room, everybody, because it is a full house tonight. Aaron Ryan is over in Perth. Hello, Aaron. Yeah, hello, gorgeous people. And just to beat Rob to the pun, Sherry Lee Biggs should have an expanded role on today. <laughs> Megan Markle is pronounced Megan. Someone needs to put on a late-night panel show. And Channel 10 has some ratings issues. And the prediction is that Byron Bays will not be on his watch list. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Steve Burling isn't taking my calls anymore because I think he's sick of me talking about Sherry Lee Biggs. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sarah Monaghan has been NCISing up a storm over in Texas. Hello, Sarah. Yes, writing, directing, producing, and starring in my own version of NCIS Down Under. Thank you, everyone. You can see it on YouTube. And what I loved. Go go and have a look at YouTube, but it had the same budget as Channel 10 will put in for this oh, series. So wow. I, I swear to God, I made it just like they Jesus, will. Jesus, out of the gate. <laughs> Mulk is down in Sydney for us. Hello, Mulky. Oh, look, I've got to say, this is just gonna this is gonna be a mess tonight, friends. Hang on. Oh, you've little faith. Actually, I have quite a amount of faith, Rob. What are you suggesting? <laughs> you and I just have different faith. <laughs> Philip Kosh is on the Central Coast for us tonight. Hello, Philip. Hey, Rob. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Did I get that right? As in that I'm on the Central Coast? Yeah. Yeah. He's, on, oh, he's under witness days. protection, but... <laughs> it's, no bi- it's no big secret. You know, maybe a <laughs> question of shame, but not secret. <laughs> I, I took a punt and up on the Sunshine Coast making his triumphant return, it's David Robbo Robinson. Hi, everyone. Yay! Great to be back. Thank Woo! you so much. I'm excited about getting into some TV and talking. TV. Oh, that was rusty. I'll get better. I promise. I think I can still do this. <laughs> do you do this for a living? I used to. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? And a big thanks to Abby Mickelson, who produced, wrote and edited this edition of TV Black Box. Let's get into the stories of the week. Move over, Freddy Krueger. There's a new king of nightmares. The Seven Network has served up the new chef, Colin Fastnage, will be the host of Kitchen Nightmares Australia. The series, made famous by Gordon Ramsay, will get the Aussie treatment and premiere on the network later this year. Malk. Rob. Does the audience have the appetite for another cooking show in prime time? I think they do. 
Colin Fastnage, I've got to say, this is a tick for me. Yeah, I, I think the casting of Fastage in the Ramsey role for the Australian version is really smart. He's he was yeah. always the kind of curmudgeonly, you know, angry kind of chef in my restaurant rules, my kitchen rules. Sorry. Anyway, um, I, I think my only concern really is that in the casting, the way that they were calling for restaurants to apply kind of inferred like you know, uh, you do you have staff troubles or do you, the menu a bit old or whatever that kind of thing. If you're a fan of the series, you know that 98% of the tension and the conflict in that show is Ramsay and what will be, I'm sure in this mm. case, Fastnage, absolutely berating the owners or the restaurateurs or the chef for doing just a shithouse job. Uh, he'll be great <laughs> at that. Uh, but I'm not sure that the people that applied have watched the show and think, like, they might think, oh, great, I'm going to get a make of it. Nah, you're going to get a touch of reality. <laughs> <laughs> they must know what they're, they're in for, but uh, maybe they think the publicity is worth it. Robbo, um, the big question that feeds on from this is who will join Manu in the My Kitchen Rules kitchen? Well, I've got some late mail here, Rob, but on my understanding, it's a little-known chef, um, Pete Evans, is going to be uh, on that show. Um, well, yeah, who could it be? I mean, I don't know chefs because I don't watch cooking shows. I, I've got to tell you, I've got my feelers out and I have not been able to find out yet. So, And, and your feelers are quite sticky, aren't they? You, you'd be able to get to know the answer. Once I've got my feelers out. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I warned um, you it would be messy. You did, you did. Uh, Philip, is there an appetite for another cooking show? Uh, I, I think so, but I, I'm not sure Colin Fastnich is the right guy for this show. Oh. To I think he, I, I, I get that he can be uh, curmudgeonly on My Kitchen Rules, but he's already said that he won't be getting in people's faces, he won't be yelling at them. <laughs> so he's not going to be a Gordon Ramsay, and that's sort of the beauty of... Um, my kitchen nightmares. He says that now until the producers are saying, this is shit, get in their face, get in their face. I was going to say, surely, Philip, that's just what he's tossing out now while casting is still happening so ah. that people line up. <laughs> Maybe. And, well, look, having, having worked in a building full of women for a long time, <laughs> uh, women love Colin Fastnitch. Oh, is that where you were going? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Well, I thought I knew where you were going and that wasn't it. <laughs> Get your head out of the gutter, Rob. I was just going to say that he has a lot of sex appeal for the women women viewers and they want women to watch this show. Uh, yes. It could appeal more to men with, you know, the aggro Gordon Ramsay model, but um, I think with Fascinate it will attract a lot of women. Interesting. Well, if another cooking show isn't to your taste, there is a new reality dating show on the horizon. As exclusively revealed on TV Black Box by our very own Aaron Ryan, an Australian version of My Mum, Your Dad is coming to our screens. An HBO Max original series from the executive producers behind Love Island and Parks and Recreation, it sees a group of single parents move into a house together as their kids pull the strings behind the scenes. Aaron, your sources told you this was coming to Nine. Nine are being very tight-lipped about it. What can you tell us? Well, I mean, you've set up the, the synopsis of the show, so that's exactly what it is. Um, there is an Australian version, so it's definitely an Australian version. It's not getting the uh, the US version just to screen here. Um, it should be quarter four um, and air once a week. Yeah, um, and... Uh, 
I wish I could tell you or get the thumbs up from you to tell you exactly what actually goes on when you get an exclusive out there. All I can say, <laughs> and I don't normally swear, but what a total fuck around today. <laughs> so I knew that it was Channel 9 and Channel 9 kind of said no, that it wasn't them, but they were saying no to something else. Not quite exactly what I meant, but it's coming to Channel 9. It is absolutely Channel 9. Um, yeah, it's always fun and games, the what goes on when you break a story that they don't want you to break. And look, that's what we do at TV Black Box. You know, we don't just get drops. We actually break stories. And that's why people in the industry get their news from TV Black Box. Um, it was a great get, Aaron. And I've got to say, I went and watched the trailer for this last night. And it's fantastic. It is such a great format that... I am genuinely excited to see this show. Yeah, I like the fact that it's in between. Like, it's sort of a Love Island thing, but not grubby and that sort of stuff. The kids are involved and genuinely want to find love for their, for their, for their parents. So it's, it gets on the heartstrings. So it's probably somewhere, lands somewhere in between all of that. So it, it, it should be good. I don't know if we watch the same trailer, Rob. Because really? I watched the trailer and went, this is shit. Like, just... <laughs> It, it was. I, I understand the premise, and it felt really light and fluffy. But that's as far as it got. And light and fluffy isn't going to draw your viewers in 2022. Like we acknowledge, please. But maybe people do now. Maybe people we've gone so far with things like maths that we're going to go back the other way and just have something that's good and wholesome. Oh, I think maths is proving that bitchiness does work. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> absolutely. But. For my mind, Mulk, yeah. uh, what I liked about it was the the kids having to watch their parents on the dating scene. Mm-hmm. They're, they're putting in scenarios. They're getting embarrassed. So there's it's working on two levels. It's older people uh, trying to find love, but you're sitting there with the boy and the girl or, you know, two, two people that have a vested interest in what's going on, yep. looking at how their parents are good are uh, 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 working in a dating scenario, so getting embarrassed by kissing and their pick-up lines, but also the added um, element of, well, I don't think she's good enough for my dad so and, and that kind of thing. Can I ask you to put your executive producer hat on? Mm. Who's the target demo for this? I, I think the general target demo is essentially at the moment, while we all talk 25 to 54s, so I think we have to be honest that the target demo for television in this country right now is about the 35, 40 mark. And, and of course, not wanting to piss off the older demos because they're keeping your overall numbers up. So basically, you're trying to get those 35, 40s for mass appeal, hoping to bring the older viewers along with you because those under 30 are not really watching terrestrial television as we all know. So do you reckon they're going to watch this show? Yeah, I, I think they would. I like it. Cool. Well, I, I look forward to seeing the outcome and, and I hope for nine's sake that I'm wrong. <laughs> and Sarah, what do you think about this concept? You know, kids trying to help their parents date. I, I mean, it's cute. <laughs> you don't it's say convinced. <laughs> I'm starting really high and that's not really convincing. Um, I'm, I, it's probably not something that I would watch. Um but I've been spending a lot of time with my in-laws, so um, there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, no, um, it, I'm sure if if you have a parent that's single and you're trying to get them laid, it'll be a great show. 
I, I think if you cast it properly with, you know, good Aussie characters, and, and you know what I mean by that, I think yeah, like it Shaz has a chance Dana. of, yeah, I think it has a chance of working because there'll be social media moments that they could then push further. Uh, that's how it's going to work. If they're just going to get um, just normal run-of-the-mill people, that might not work either. We want to see Dazza fall head over heels for Shazza. Um, and we want, like you said, Rob, we want um, Shazza's daughter to say, no, Dazza's not good enough for you. Yeah. And then have all of that kind of action, but have characters at the, you know, at the base of it. And it might seem obvious to say it should be, you know, well cast, but that's how this kind of thing will break through. Casting is key, isn't it, Philip? Oh, well, I think it's key with any reality show, isn't it? You know, mm. we've, we've all seen where, where it falls down. For me, I don't know a lot about this show, but for me I think it has to target the heartstrings as well as having some of the conflict and obviously I, I would think you'd have really aggressive kids rather than their parents who were dating if it was yes. me. Yeah. Well, I think it'll be one to watch when it comes to nine. Good exclusive, Aaron, but let me tell you, mate. You break an exclusive, I'm going to have to match you. Uh, you made me pull my <laughs> finger out today, so let me drop this one on Uh-oh, you. Uh-oh, the finger's out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might remember James Warburton dropped hints about a massive global format Seven has obtained when he was presenting at the FY22 half-year results. The CEO of Seven said of the format, it's one which we believe will be the biggest new global format. He went on to say, and I quote, I can't really go into it, but it's going to be big. Well, I can exclusively reveal the format he is talking about is called Million Dollar Island. The show sees 100 people dropped onto an inhabited tropical island where they need to survive for two months. Upon arrival, each contestant is given a numbered bracelet worth $10,000. So the 100 bracelets together are worth $1 million. The contestants gain and lose bracelets by playing duels and challenges and by receiving them from those who quit. But it's the producers behind the format who will really have TV fans in a spin. Million Dollar Island has been created by two world-renowned format creators, Stephen Lambert and John DeMole. As I'm sure you know, DeMole was behind big hitting imports such as Big Brother and The Voice, and former BBC creative director Stephen Lambert is behind Gogglebox and The Circle. A UK and US version of the Dutch format has already been announced, and TV Black Box can reveal Seven won an intense bidding war for the Australian rights. The original Dutch version of the new format has just completed shooting in the Philippines and will air in the Netherlands on SBS 6 in March. I have to say, Sarah, this sounds like a great format to me. It sounds like Fire Island, the real-life version. (laughs) 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 Like, where are they going to film this? Because if it's in the Bahamas, I will, like, get another boat and just cruise over and get, like, good footage of it. Well, if it's like other formats, it'll be filmed in the Philippines because that's where the last one was just filmed. So I would assume the UK, US ones and Australia will all film at this location in the Philippines. And do they actually get to kill each other off or do they just vote them off the island? Squid game. <laughs> I assume voting, a mixture of voting and losing challenges. The, the format has not aired anywhere in the world, but... This format has buzz, and that's why Seven chased it so, so hard. Good luck to them. <laughs> um, Robbo, does this uh, float your boat? No, not at all. And I, I don't really? know that it will work. No, it just sounds like Survivor, but, you know, with a few different rules. And Survivor's People a legacy Survivor. brand. Yeah, but that's a legacy brand that's been around for a long, long time that's had the, the chance to build up and, and gain a following. This just sounds like... 
just another format that's similar to another show and the original will always be a bit better than that and people will still stay with the original. Philip, what about you? What do you think? Oh, I, I tend to agree. It sounds a bit like Survivor with a few tricked-up things happening with it. So, I don't know. It's not, so, it's not something I think I'd tune into. Yeah, sorry, guys. Look at the people behind this. You know, John DeMole and Stephen Lambert, these two have created some of the biggest or been involved in the importation and creation of some of the biggest shows like Big Brother, like The Circle. I've got to tell you, I have faith in this. Aaron, is anyone on my side here? I'll be on your side, Rob. No, no, I mean, concept and then execution are two things, aren't they? So, I mean, if they can execute this well and if they're going to use the UK or the US... um, house and it, it's cast right and I guess it is the idea that people take bracelets so if someone ends up with you know $800,000 worth of bracelets and they get that money is that how it works yeah 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 so I mean you can actually see the money who's who's getting it and it's quite tangible in front of your face and people are doing anything to get the oh, I think it'll be I think it'll be good yeah if I it's, think so too. If, if it's executed well I don't know what you're all talking a about. A word of warning, though, Rob. While I'm absolutely keen to see what this format looks like, because I, I agree, just on the reading, um, there's a lot of potential to it. Just because super producers have had great hits before, it doesn't mean that their next big idea is going to be a massive hit. Of course. We, we do need yeah. to kind of temper it a little bit and go, it could be great, should be great. Doesn't mean it will be great. And my first concern straight away is the Australian version, like every other copy of overseas formats, instead of it being a million dollars, it'll be $500,000. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think Warburton's going to go big. I think Seven have a lot to prove at the moment. Um, yeah, sure do. I, and what's also interesting, uh, on a side note, is we are in a new cycle. You must notice there are a lot of new big formats coming through at the moment. 10, 9 and 7 are all buying up big on these new formats because they have worn everything into the ground. There is no doubt The Bachelor is dead. The Bachelor Nation, it's dead. It won't be back in 2023. And that's why 10 are commissioning the shows we talked about last week. And why 7, you know, yes, they're bringing back My Kitchen Rules, but, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in ratings, Q1 has done okay so far, hasn't set the world on fire. So, The fact is the networks have realised they need new formats and there's a bit of a buying spree going on at the moment. There's always a challenge in in that happening, isn't it, where you either continually blood new formats, sort of we're going to bring in one or two a year and try and get the audience connected to them and roll the dice on some of them. Sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. When you en masse introduce new formats, I think that's where you really run the risk of distancing yourself from the audience because you think it's going to be amazing and they don't like it. And then that's when, you know, executives sit around the big table and go, I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. All right, after a controversial commission, we finally have our first look at Byron Bay's coming to Netflix on March 9. The show follows a group of models, influencers and entrepreneurs as they navigate their lives and careers in what Netflix is declaring the Instagrammable epicentre of Australia's counterculture. Here's some of what we can expect. Byron is one of the most beautiful places in this world. Oh, look at this day. I grew up photographers. Oh, that was sick. Fashion designers, spiritual healers. We're all hustling to make a go of it. We're in a really tight-knit group. Sarah, I love to meet you. I'm Jade, nice to meet you. 
How are you settling in? It's hard moving somewhere and not knowing anyone. Breaking into our crew can be tough. Yeah. It's about to get interesting. <laughs> the girls haven't given her a chance. I feel like I'm in high school again. You've got to stop causing beef between two guys. This is not what Byron is about. You are seriously insecure. I'm feeling out of place. Do you have a problem with me? Put me on the fucking train. It's a fucking joke. Through all of the dramas. Babies. <gasps> we all have deep love for each other. You look beautiful. You have You're no idea what you guys have done for me. Phil, Phil, Phil. When this was commissioned, I said it would be shit. McKnight was right. Bum, bum, bum. This reeks, this stinks more. Uh, uh, the stink is so bad, it's not, I can't wash it off. I can't wash it off. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I, look, Byron Bay itself hated the idea of the show. It's only had <laughs> negative press since it was announced. Uh, you know, I, I watched that promo today and it has everything in a TV show I hate. <laughs> Entitled nobodies, spirituality, crystals. You know, I'd rather drink my own sick than watch that show. Quite <laughs> frankly, what I feel about it. So that's a hard no, Philip? <laughs> that's a very hard no. Look, here's your casting for Million Dollar Island and then you totally no. got Fire Island. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, here's the thing. And, and look, I think the people at Netflix Australia think I'm anti them or something just because I haven't liked any of their ideas. But uh, I love Netflix. I'm, I'm, it's my number one streaming platform. You know, I watch Big Bang Theory every night. But, um, Robbo, it was pointed out to me today that maybe, just maybe, I'm not the target demo for this. Uh, yeah, possibly. And maybe even Australia isn't the target demo for this. Maybe this is actually just to get some money from overseas. Uh, if there's a one group, and there's many in society that I don't like, but if there's one group that I detest, it's bloody influencers. So I, oh. I can't stand this show. And um, I, I did make some notes. Elias, who was from Love Island, uh, he calls himself an animist which he believes that plants and rocks have a spiritual essence. Uh, and he, uh, he also thinks that mechanical objects should be treated with care. I'm going to hit with one of those care. rocks in a moment. Yeah, so that's the kind of calibre we're going to be seeing on Byron Dicks, uh, Byron Bays, rather. Uh, and I, I'm just very excited uh, to never watch that thing ever. Terrible. So it's a hard no, Robbo? Hard no. <laughs> I think that everybody, every wannabe influencer or everyone who thinks they're an influencer because, you know, their grandma follows them on Instagram, is going to love this show. And when you think about how many of the younger generation, if you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, it's an influencer. Sure. They, I don't think they really know what that means. So there is a massive audience for this. That and because it is Australia, it will sell really well in the US. It doesn't convert to ratings or streams, though, Sarah. Uh, you know, everyone runs into this show. Hey, if we make a show about Instagrammers, that'll that'll get us streams and, and because they're influencers. They have a million followers. But it's followers. Not on regular television, right? It's on Netflix? Yeah. So they can just binge it. True. And, look, the simple fact is... We will never know the real numbers of what this show gets, but it'll be interesting to see if they sprout that it's doing well. We'll get a really clear indication if uh, we get a season two call, you know, mid-season or, you know, towards the end of the season. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm going to put to you that I, I was, in reading the pricey for the show, also not keen on it. 
Um, and then in seeing that trailer, if that's what the show is about, I'm 800% in. I think this really? is going to be the trashiest huh? show this side of any Real Housewives franchise, and that's why it's going to work. It's because they've got all of these people who lack complete self-awareness <laughs> in, in a house together in Byron Bay, which looks stunning. Like the, the vision of Byron Bay that's got shot for money. this looks amazing. And you've got these people trying to do all of the Instagram influency stuff, which is about trying to do all of the, hey, we look great. But then their personalities clashing. But then there's, you know, there, there's conflict in there already where one says, I feel like I'm back in high school, where they're sort of talking about how they welcome other people into the group. I mean, this has elements of the um, influencers house that we saw uh, in the UK and in the US where they got a whole bunch of um, social media people, put them in it, like create content, go for it and try to make a show out of it. And it didn't work. Um, I think the fact that there's the conflict that they're, they're leaning into this, this isn't what they sold us, and that's why I think it's going to be a huge hit for Netflix. But, Malk, you used a word before that's uh, – you used the word personality. Mm. Do, <laughs> does any of them have any? I wouldn't Absolutely, have thought so. Robo. Did you not? I did didn't you see not? personality, and I didn't see the conflict you're talking about, Malk. It seemed pretty lame. Compare that to an episode of Maths, and there's more There's more conflict in people having dinner in Maths than there are a whole, yeah, but I don't forgetting- know, bitch fight on – Byron Bay. You're forgetting what the cost of entry is, right? To watch maths is nothing. I turn my television on, I flick it onto nine, and I watch it. And if it's not interesting, I flick over to something else. On Netflix, I have to pay to be in there to start with. So I'm in. And then, yes, they get all of the data about how long people watch it for, whether they're binge watching it or they're just watching five minutes, buggering off and coming back and watching another five minutes. They call that the McKnight factor. Um, <laughs> and whether or not they're, they're coming around and watching episode two. I think this is going to be something that's like on e-television in the US where it's like, you know, the Brody Jenners and all the pretty people in the Hollywood Hills, you know, who are related to somebody famous, but they're not really famous themselves. And like, they're all having their little personality clashes because they're all trying to, you know, big dick each other, you know? And I think, I think it has an audience. I think anyone who watches the Kardashians and things like that will enjoy it. Um, It's just not for your generation. But yeah. Sarah, can I can I say for somebody that watches, and this is I'm talking about myself that have watched Love Island and watched the series Fuckboy Island, and will watch <laughs> anything that's got boobs and pegs in it, this actually looks really terrible, even by by my standards. Oh, I thought se- you would be loving this, Sarah. No, it just looks terrible. Like it, if they were just parading good-looking people, it might be better. But it, they're trying to take themselves seriously as well. I just but that's the nah. not, not only does the show down. look stinky, but some of the cast looks stinky. Some of those hippies, yeah. you want to give them a good bath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Out. far out, Boomer. I mean, what are you doing? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's move on because she's been serving us morning tea for almost a decade. But does Sarah Harris have her eyes on the most important meal of the day? Recently, thanks to social media, the Studio Ten host was spotted having lunch with Sunrise executive producer. Michael Pell. Rumours soon started swirling that a possible move to seven was on the cards for Sarah, but so far there's been no official comment from anyone. Not unexpected. Aaron, I'm going to give a bit of... I love Sarah Harris. I've advocated for her to um, do something she needs for her career now. She needs to do something different from Studio 10. And, And that may even be on 10. 
Because obviously, if she's having lunch with Pell, one would assume contract would be coming up at some point. And you have those discussions to see what they think of you. And if you're going back to negotiate with 10, you know, you, you can up your value. And that's just part of the game. That's fine. But would it be a mistake for Sarah to stay in that position? Or does this become a uh, uh, the thing she is known for, uh, being the host of Studio 10? Uh, there's a couple of things here. First of all, I think her having, like, the article, I think her having lunch with Pell, I mean, do, do we have to read into everything? Um, Pell's had lunch. I've seen a few other photos with all sorts of people that he's had lunch or, or hanging out with. I mean, you know, people do hang out with each other from different <laughs> networks. Yes. But anyway... But, but, but mate, the... it's very easy to keep a lunch quiet. I have lunch with people and it doesn't get into the paper, right? It doesn't get onto social media. But you're also in nobody, Rob. <laughs> oh sure, <laughs> but the people I'm having lunch with us are people sometimes. But but I think the thing is, if we're talking about her heading to Sunrise, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Aaron. if we're talking about her going to Sunrise or something like that, I mean, I just think Sarah is a great is a is a great draw card. She's a great talent, um, and I think she should be on a show that that rates more than forty thousand viewers in the morning. I think I think more of Australia should be able to see her, whether it's in Sunrise or it's Today or it's in whatever whatever network or whatever show. I think I think she should be elevated to a, to a much better position than what she's doing now. Sarah, you are there's there's three of us that have worked with Sarah over the years, um, and we're all big fans. Uh, if if she stays at 10 beyond her next contract, uh, she does do Women's Day cooking specials, but she should really be hosting some primetime reality series, shouldn't she? Yeah, 10 is absolutely fucked if they lose Sarah because she is probably the biggest thing that they have. And um, not to diminish Sarah because I think that she is the biggest thing, but I'm, I'm, it's the whole big fish in a, a little pond. Like, at 10, she is the draw card. She is everything. She is the greatest person there in real life and on television because she is the loveliest person I've ever met. But I, I, I'm worried if she goes to another network, she's going to compete with, like, Sonia Kruger, who's on Bloody Everything, or, like, you know, the Grant Denyer-type people that are on every single show, and they'll either work her to death and put her on, you know, 18 different things, or she'll get lost in the mix. Um, Unless she's hosting Million Dollar Island. Well, um, do you want her career to die? <laughs> I mean, wow, that's a massive. <laughs> no, call. I mean, that sounds terrible. No, there's so much better things for her. Like, but she could be, you know, on the project. Sorry. Or so, Sarah, you, you'd things. be turning down at hosting a primetime gig on Channel Seven, would you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a comment. Philip, you have spent decades uh, working for the tabloid magazines. Um, Sarah, uh, is she liked by readers slash viewers? She's definitely liked by uh, um, the readers of the women's mags. There's a warmth about Sarah that sort of, that comes across. And, and you know, as you well know, she's, she's lovely to deal with. She's easy. She doesn't really give a lot in terms of what um, women's magazine want. You know, she, she doesn't necessarily... Um, play the game in terms of pimping out her, her personal life, her children, that sort of thing. Uh, but she's definitely liked. She was definitely chased on multiple times. She was quite a hard person to convince to do a magazine story because I don't think she really liked that intrusion into her mm. personal life. 
But no, I, I think she's a huge talent. Uh, I, I would hate to see her um, fronting a, a reality show or something like that. I think her strength is in news and she has that gravitas and that history. And she's, you know, she brings that warmth and character. You know, I could definitely see her on Sunrise. You know, I, I'm not sure what happens to the other person sitting in that seat. But, uh, yeah, she'd be an enormous asset on Sunrise. I suspect some of my learned friends have forgotten that Michael Pell's remit within the Seven Network has greatly increased. Mm-hmm. That he is sitting in bigger conversations. He has um, Exa- his which hands... Which is why I brought up Million Dollar Island, Malt. His hands and eyes on a whole bunch of primetime content. Mm. Uh, and I'm yep. absolutely sure, independent of whether or not he and Sarah were just catching up as mates or mm. whether it was just a, a, a an opportunity for her to gouge tan a little more, which she bloody should, um, it would make great sense for Sarah to move from 10 to 7 or 9 uh, because, A, that's where the greatest profile opportunity is for her, and the move from 9 to 10 showed that Sarah has talent beyond a journalist in that she can... It was a great opportunity for her and she has made the most of that. Absolutely. And Angela Bishop is absolutely in the wings, ready to take Sarah's role permanently when she goes. If I was Michael Pell and moving to Los Angeles, which he's apparently doing in a few weeks, I would be taking Sarah Harris with me and creating a new late-night talk show like Rove used to be and have Sarah Harris as the person who does all of the interviews and I mean she's funny she interviews well she's great on television make a new tv show like a talk show late at night which Australia is currently missing and desperately <laughs> I have, needs I, I have, have literally Harris. pitched that show Sarah as we've talked about on this podcast and oh my god that makes so much sense for her to do a 9/9:30 nightly show she would own that space she'd be great yeah all right, to the ratings race now, where it continues to be full steam ahead for Nine and Married at First Sight, bringing in impressive numbers both in the overnight and BVOD figures. With the Winter Olympics still pulling in that late-night audience for Seven, it continues to be a battle for the number one spot between the two. Ten, they're not even close, being beaten by the ABC every night except Tuesday this week, and their primary channel share just 3.7% on Saturday night, coming in last place behind SBS on 4.8. Dancing with the Stars All-Stars and SAS Australia both launched on 7 this week. They were down significantly from last year. The premiere of Dancing with the Stars reached 588,000. That was down 21%. And SAS Australia premiered to 467,000. That was down 31% on last year and fourth place in its slot. Tuesday's SAS was even more disappointing with 378,000. Time will tell how these perform on BVOD when we see the consolidated 7 plus TV figures next week. ABC Breakfast continues to creep up on the Today Show, beating them on Friday for the second time that week and just 1,000 behind them on Monday. Malt, you pointed out last week that the Today Show is struggling against ABC Breakfast and we saw that continue. What's going on? Yeah, look, it's not a happy trend for the for the Today Show, quite frankly. Now, I, I want to just put, a, I guess, an asterisk on that and say that we've talked many times before about how breakfast television is difficult to turn around. You know, it's not an easy shift and that sometimes these peaks and troughs will occur, though for reasonably so early in the year for ABC Breakfast, not in a, you know, kind of crisis mode or election mode or whatever, for ABC Breakfast to be beating today... 
as often, and it's not that often, as regularly as it is, is not a great start. So there's some real challenges facing uh, Burlow and the crew there around, well, what do we do? How do we turn that around? I'm not going to mention the Shari word. Um, I mean, the, the, that extends, though, to seven in prime time, where when we have a look at the SAS Australia numbers, I mean, it, in the last two nights, is now doing equivalent to what Holy Moly did last year in Q1. And it They've got overplayed SAS. Hillary. Oh, three, three series of SAS in six months. Yeah. Um, Robbo, on the breakfast TV element, today had such momentum. Like, they were a real player... Last year, it, it, they were getting close to Sunrise. I think there may have even been a day from memory that they beat Sunrise. But they've lost the momentum. What's happened? I don't know, because a big thing for it was obviously Carl and Carl being, you know, a rat bag, you know, kind of thing was, was always going to help them and work for them. And it seems to have lost its sheen, I think, much quicker than what they were expecting. I think they were expecting to... Uh, you know, ride that way for a lot longer than what it did. Uh, I'm just not sure. They're, they're certainly pushing themselves and pushing the funny moments that they have on social media. Sure. Uh, but Which is fine. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of other stuff that can be really put on social media. And that's where you put your, your top stuff, your your breakout stuff. Um, and I, I, look, I like them two together, Ali and Carl, but maybe Australia just isn't big enough now. Carl's for distracted. Three shows. Carl's distracted. He's off doing sixty minutes interviews. He was. He mentioned in an in in, in a, an interview this morning that he was in Launceston yesterday. Mm. So he's jumping around. But the is country that affecting and... his performance? So Absolutely, I, I it is. Absolutely, it is. He looks fatigued. So there has been a couple of times at eight thirty where he just just doesn't appear, and he's, he's actually left. And that, yeah, yeah, he's gone to the airport, and he's not even finishing the rest of the program. He's looking he fatigued. Just disappears. He's looking tired. Um, uh, while he and Ali do have great um, uh, camaraderie and they play well together, I think too much of what is being shown is too forced and, yeah. and almost to the point the, of being the dancing. Scripted. It's too much yeah. dancing. Every op- every moment dancing. they're dancing for the camera, looking for that promo shot, and that is annoying. And, and I think if Carl's got his head in sixty minutes, go get the soft focus shot and be on sixty minutes. It's time to choose which camp you're in and pour your energy into that. Just because you've got an exclusive interview with Jackie Lambie or you're following up with whatever. Like, mate, dude, stop interviewing the PM and interview him on on, to, on today and be a hard ass and don't give him a free kick. Like, do what your job says, and that is create moments on breakfast television. Mm. Aaron, if we look at uh, primetime again, I think one of the extraordinary stories is Married at First Sight. Because that's almost defying the rule book, the current rule book. It's, it's been number one at night, even beating the news services, but it's BVOD, it's catch-up figures are through the roof. I mean, I think even nine surprised by this. They probably are. And, yeah, I don't understand. I think we spoke about this last week. What, what Married at First Sight should be is high um, on, you know, watching TV live and then lower uh, BVOD and then SAS and, you know, Australian Survivor should be lower, perhaps lower um, live, but then a huge but at a huge BVOD audience. But that's just not the case. Uh, maths are getting a huge BVOD audience as well and pushing them close to 2 million. I guess this is one of those times where I just don't understand the Australian public. I mean, I can understand that someone might go, look, I enjoy maths more than SAS or or Australian Survivor. But to think that, like, double, triple, quadruple the amount of people would prefer to watch trash like maths 
against a high production value like Survivor or, <laughs> you know, I guess a life-changing like type series like SAS. I mean, that's a huge difference. It's not just a few more people would prefer maths. It's, it's quadruple if you look into the B-Bod numbers. You know, like, why is it that everyone just wants to watch maths? I mean, I don't watch Survivor, but I see the high quality values of that series. It should be watched by more people. The people are going to watch what the people are going to watch, right? Mm -hmm. If if we could come up with that solution, then we'd be taking all of the programmers' jobs at the networks. I think the real story here is that what is being shown by the really big catch-up and BVOD numbers for Merit at First Sight is that the audience that it attracts is happy to watch it live or they're just as happy to watch it when it suits them. And that's where it's really paying off. The fact they're watching it on Nine Now or they're watching it online uh, live as it goes because they don't have an antenna in their house is should be a revelation to the networks about the kind of content they're producing and how the people are consuming it. I probably wonder why there's a drop, though, with Australian Survivor. There is definitely a drop from last year. It was actually rating quite well, wasn't it, last year? 600, 620? Yeah, it's, I, and it's a great season. By far one of their best. Yeah, and it just dropped away. Mm, well, we shall revisit next week and get some more details on those catch-up numbers. All right, coming up, an Olympian takes to a new role on the nightly news. Dan gets a new CEO and we'll reveal what we've all been watching this week when we open the TV binge box. You're listening to TV Black Box, the podcast. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with me. Martin Kugler has been appointed as the CEO of Stan, having been acting in the role since April 2021. He's been Stan's Chief Financial Officer and Director of Strategy, Sport, Business Development and Product for the past seven years. Screen Australia have announced Grainy Brudston as Head of Content, promoted from her current role as Head of Screen New South Wales. Taking over from Sally Kaplan, Brunston will commence the role on March 21st. Olympian Sally Pearson is joining the 7 News Gold Coast team, presenting sport alongside Amanda Abate and Steve Titmus. Her new role begins on Monday, February 28th. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, let's find out what everyone's been watching this week. Philip, you shall have the honours first. Uh, I think I always find this section uh, embarrassing because I, I usually watch embarrassing things, as you know. Uh, and th- <laughs> this week's no different. I had to go searching through the archives. So um, I started watching a show called CSI Cyber, which you may or may yes. not recall because I don't think many people watched it when it came out in 2015. Uh, it's Patricia Arquette playing mm. uh, FBI investigator investigating cyber crimes. Uh uh, James Vanderbeek from um, Dawson's Creek. Dawson, Dawson from <laughs> Dawson's Creek is also in it. And I, I look, ashamed or not, I, I really quite liked it. I binged the whole. Foxtel only has one series of it, so I binged the whole lot. Really enjoyed it. Um, I do love love me a cop show, and I thought it was all right. Uh, 
And the other thing I've been having a look at is Power Book 4 on Stan, which is um, the Power series that's um, uh, 50 Cent was the executive producer and director of part of it, at least some of it. Um, this one stars uh, an actor called Joseph Sikora in the lead role of Tommy Egan and the action's moved from New York to Chicago. It's, you know, gangsters and drugs and killing and mayhem and all that stuff with a, with a, a decent dose of um, pretty cool music. Fabulous. That's not a bad list, mate. You should be proud of that. Be proud. Be loud and proud. Right, okay. Well, I'm, in, I'm, <laughs> I'm owning it now. Monk. Uh, I, I have had um, my eyes cast a lot, of, a lot of different places. I've watched the finale of Peacemaker, which aired on Fox 8 here in Australia. And, I, mate, James Gunn, the, the guy who directed it and wrote it, nailed the landing for that John Cena series. So funny, so good, and fully rewarded that a season two is going to come. Uh, so I'm really pleased to see that that's going to be a thing. Love, love, love it. If you're a superhero with a twist, this is for you. Um, Space Force Season 2, starring Steve Carell. Uh, Is that any good? I loved it. I thought it was really funny. The best part of it was that it was announced before Donald Trump announced that there was going to be a Space Force. So it was this <laughs> hypothetical idea. Oh, was that right? I thought it was in response to that. No, 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 no. They were creating it. And it was being filmed when Trump announced, let's have a Space Force. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, so it is, it's diabolical and there's some real great emotional payoffs. Really funny. Only seven episodes thanks to COVID, but that's on Netflix. The entire series is there. Uh, I also watch a whole bunch of free-to-air television that I don't normally talk about because it's just all of the normal things. But Married at First Sight has absolutely captivated me. Completely trashy, amazing couples. The experts are less expert than they have ever experted. Uh, they have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, mm. And the fact that there are... I, I, I present to you for the fact that there are couples on the couch when they have their big commitment ceremony that know more about relationships than the experts. It's just beyond me. Um so I'm tuning in for every minute of it. And I cannot get enough. It's so good. Uh, I also enjoyed, just as a last one, the return of John Oliver with last week tonight, <gasps> John Oliver on Fox What 8. an episode. Um, an excellent, excellent episode about critical race theory, primarily. Mm. Uh, a great explainer, if you don't know what it is, laid it out and explained why very well. the conservative right are leaning hard into it and just how big an idiot they look like when they do it. Um, mm. Congratulations, friends. It is all good. I've got other things. Hit me up on Twitter. I don't want to bore everyone now. <laughs> your your allocation of this segment is up because I know you could go for 20 minutes. I yield Sarah. my time. <laughs> Sarah, what have you been watching? Uh, we watched some Reservation Dogs. Excellent. Um, and then for a little bit of Australiana, we watched Tidelands, the mermaid show with Elsa Pataki. Mm -hmm. um, someone asked me to watch Bel Air on Peacock, and um, it let you watch the first episode, and then it wanted to charge you an upgrade for the second one. Um, but it was oh, different. Really? Yeah, it's nothing like The Fresh Prince. Um, it's still no, it's Will a drama, Smith. not a comedy. Yeah, it's very gritty, and um, it's it's deep, and um, all new actors. Um, and it was interesting. Like, I would watch more if it was free, um, but I wouldn't upgrade for it. Um we watched uh, some horrible movie called... That's on called... Stan in Australia, isn't it? I think so. 
It is, yes. Um, we watched a horrible movie called 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot um, because that's what happens when I let my husband have the remote. Yeah, never <laughs> um, do that again. Number one, he doesn't exist. Sh- <laughs> shit movie about... Um, it was like a BuzzFeed journalist type thing who you know was just a prat who hated his job and then he went and found Bigfoot. It was terrible. Um, and then letting him have the remote again, he decided that we should watch as he's getting ready to leave town and leave me on 100 acres by myself in Texas, he turns on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Which is the new version Terrible. about a bunch of basically the Byron Bays who are going to a new town to start it up and then uh, Leatherface is living in an orphanage for 50 years. And about that point, I'm like, why the fuck are we watching this? <laughs> night on the ranch when you're leaving like no so um honey? that stopped honey? And also it was just where did you go terrible. i'll be right back no but it was terrible it was so terrible that that was my thing i'm like i'm not scared of it but i'm like why are we watching this and he's like oh i'm sorry and then um we did watch space force the second version like the second series very interesting uh i watched a foxtel series called hotel portofino and it's delightful I've never, I didn't even watch Downton Abbey back in the day, but I really, really enjoyed this. It was a great little drama. I'm intrigued about where it's going to go. So, yeah, I'm in there. I'm always watching Big Bang Theory. I get to the end, I just restarted. I have it on as I'm going to sleep. Love Big Bang. Watching Spider Man 2 with the kids. Can I say, it was so good to have the return of Media Watch. Love that show and Insiders. Um, I'm watching more 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, which is on SBS On Demand. It's on Amazon Prime Video. Um, I know I'm missing something else that I'll kick myself for not mentioning, but I've also been watching 7 Early News with Jodie Spears. Great little production. Um, You know, that's getting everyone ready. It's 5 a.m. It's getting everyone ready as a lead into Sunrise. They do it very well. Uh, Jodie's very good. And I think it's a great little show. Can I ask a question about Hotel Portofino, Rob? Mm-hmm. Do they speak like you just did when you talked about the show? <laughs> Up there. You know I'm the king of accents. Hotel Portofino. That's his best one. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. Amazing. <laughs> Aaron. All right, I'll give you one disappointment and one good one. Um, the disappointment is is under investigation with Liz Hayes because I absolutely love Liz Hayes and I, lo- I loved the series last year, but they decided for some reason to change it up this year. Um, it wasn't broke last year. It was a great series, but now it, it was usually a sort of a murder that had, had gone on hmm. and they sort of go step by step, but now they're like... The first episode was about Are Aliens Real and UFOs? And it was just this random... And, and also cut- the Queen... Yeah, what and happens the queen when one, she dies? That, what happens that when she dies? And, it's just, and rather than just sticking dies. with a... Pa- <laughs> oh. Maybe soon. My money's on um, this weekend, just quietly. Oh. Hush! Don't jinx her. Wow. I've put it on sports bet. <gasps> no, I haven't. Oh, gosh, <laughs> Rob McKnight. Yeah. Wow. Hey, there was always a thing. Uh, we, it was trending we, we, on Twitter today. Yeah, I, I reckon she's gone. She's probably already dead, but they won't make the announcement till the That's weekend. That's what they do. You're going to end up with Charles. Mm. Jesus. They're waiting until he's fully over the COVID. Then they'll put the notice up on the Buckingham Palace gates. And uh, because you know that you don't find out straight away, right? They get a whole load of things ready behind the scenes. And uh, 
then they make the official announcement and pretty much even if the BBC and everyone knows, they all keep it quiet. Um, Do you want to know how you know she's not dead? How? Kate's still in Denmark. Well, that's right. I agree with that, but you watch her come back well, this weekend. Well, the Queen was still in, in, in Africa when her dad died. Yeah, but that was uh, like it was a bit harder to fly then. But you can all be sure that every network has updated their obit package. Let's just hope Channel 9 has remembered to take Peter Harvey's voice off the Queen's one and replace it with Mark Burrows. Uh, <laughs> that did happen uh, just soon after Harves died uh, <laughs> with a very famous death. Um, but, yes, this weekend's my money. Robbo, what are you watching? Oh, sorry, Aaron, were we done with you? My apologies. We, done with you? we went on a That's tangent. <laughs> I like the fact that I can just say I don't like the new format for investigation and we can talk about the Queen being dead this weekend. Like, I, I didn't even segue into that <laughs> That's at TV all. black box, mate. But I did say that a, a bad one and a good one. The good one was I watched a series called Show Trial, which is on seven. So it's five episodes, a double episode this week, double episode next week, and then the final one. I, I would give it like an eight out of ten until the final credits roll. And then you're like, what? But I can't say anything else, obviously, because that, that would be major spoilage. But it's just like, it's a really good series. You're like, whoever watches, you really enjoy it. And then the, the end credits will roll and you'll just go, what happened? And then it's just like, oh. Just to confirm, Aaron, anyway. you watched a show on Nine that you don't like and a show on Seven that you do like. <laughs> yes. And I also watched, if you wanted to throw one in, that The 100 with Andy Lee, which I keep talking about every week, which is absolutely fantastic. Excellent. Been watching that. You're such That's a, a shit great sir, series. Mom. And Space Invaders. I was watching that as well. Oh, that's, that's a good. great little show I need to mention. Not Space Invaders, but up here in Queensland, we have a show on Nine called My Way, 5.30 on Sundays. They really pull out some great stories. Well worth a look if you're up in Queensland. But Robbo, I've saved... I was going to say the best to last, yeah. but I've saved, saved you until you. last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's watching Byron Bay. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, I don't normally watch a show until all of the seasons have been released, but I broke that for Ozark. I'm late to Ozark, Good but choice. I adore it, and I am hanging out for the uh, the second bit of the last season, which is coming out uh, this year. Uh, I also watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. I loved that show. That, that was just, I just finished it. It's so funny. It is brilliant. Um, in my turn off category, I tried Trigger Point on Stan. Just didn't like it. The first episode was fun about, you know, getting rid of bombs and stuff like that. Not for me. It was a bomb. And also Gilded Age on Paramount Plus. Nothing happens. Made by the same guy who created Downton Abbey, Julian Fellows, and there's just nothing there. Nothing moves. And so I was disappointed with that. Fair enough. Thank you, Robbo. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box, the podcast. Abby Mickelson wrote, produced and edited this episode with help, some help from David Robinson. Robbo, Aaron, Sarah, Mulk and Philip, thank you very much. And if you are in Queensland or can I entice you to get the 4BC app, I will be hosting Weekends with Spencer Housen. I'll be the Rob McKnight filling in for Spencer Housen this week on 4BC Saturday and Sunday. Hope you can join me. We'll be talking TV and a whole lot of other things. Until next week, we'll see you then. Bye, Sherry Lee Biggs. (laughs) 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.